jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Gay Alright, I have some things to say. Some some light housekeeping, as so it were. I have some housekeeping, as uh-huh. it were, if you don't mind. If you're not oh, no. if you're not busy. I'm not busy. I'm just I'm just here sitting on a podcast, just biding my time. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. First of all, uh-huh. uh, last week you mentioned you said it's either LGBT Wrath Month or Revenge Month, depending on which millennial you talk to. Yes, yes. There's some confusion in the social media. First of all, gross. Second of all, <laughs> <laughs> I've always just said revenge because I'm sorry. I don't think of Pride Month in terms of the deadly sins like some of you bible thumping soy boys okay (laughs) (laughs) i've always just said revenge and while wrath is clearly the more clever accepted nomenclature god is a straight-edge narc all right and i don't live my life according to those rules you are shirking and dropping and challenging the heteronormative white Christian patriarchal uh, Christian stuff. <laughs> That's right. I am. <laughs> Industrial complex. Challenging Christian stuff. You're not you're not acknowledging that western worldview. You're not bringing that into your queer horror podcast. Mhm. Mm-hmm. What are the Buddhist gays supposed to feel when you say, oh, it's Wrath Month in response to Pride Month? And <laughs> don't forget about Other Sins Month. I don't know. LGBTQ Attachment Month? Like, what would... <laughs> Covet Month. The Buddhist one. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, Wrath is obviously more clever, but I didn't think of it because I literally don't think of Pride in terms of the Bible. So I'm not that clever. But people like you are is what I'm saying. Hey, I'm not, it's not me. It's just what the kids on the tumblers are saying. I don't, I don't use Tumblr. I don't know why I said Tumblr. Well. They got I, rid of the, 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 they got rid of the booby pictures. <laughs> they got rid of boobies, so no one's on there anymore. I blame <laughs> Tumblr for everything though, right? Like. For real. I mean, that's the real reason we have LGBTQ Revenge Month is <laughs> Tumblr getting rid of the boobs. Yeah. Yeah. So it motivates me as a, late phase millennial yeah (laughs) so anyway i've always said revenge whatever wrath fine i guess it is depending on which millennial you talk to but wrath is like more just like i'd like to speak to a manager versus revenge is like i'm tying a bandana around my head mm-hmm. you know the, there's gonna the, be the, a like, training montage with revenge. there's a montage the electric guitar is mm-hmm. like she's wailing yeah <laughs> yeah the you jeans know. are tight. The tops are tanked. <laughs> right? 
Jessica Biel might be there, but pre please <laughs> pre opening her mouth. Oh my god! <laughs> and causing a measles outbreak. Don't in the remind state of me about Jessica Beazles. <laughs> Don't remind Listen, me. Listen, I'm just trying to get our revenge up because we 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 took a little detour last mo- week. Yeah, mo- year. Whenever <laughs> it was last, last time. festival, harvest festival, and now you know. Thank you for, thank you for, I'm already feeling it, just rolling through my system. So thank you, Stacy, for riding, right out of that gate, guns blazing. Yeah. Because I mean, this it's like episode gun, but... is all about the revenge. This episode is revenge, and it's a little problematic Absolute with a, with a Q-U-E. <laughs> with a Q-U-E and a chef kiss. <laughs> it's um Guy Fieri. Yeah. <laughs> Just more need to fuel our revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, I had another point to make, and that oh. is, if you uh, follow me on Instagram, which why wouldn't you? It's the most exhilarating place on the internet. Obviously, listen. So many of so many Game of Thrones fans are all over Stacy Ponder's Instagram, <laughs> just not knowing what they signed up for. <laughs> yeah, I know that when uh, Khaleesi Cersei. 6969x <laughs> likes something that I posted. I'm like, they're a fan of my work. But anyway. <laughs> no offense, Khaleesi Cersei 6969x. Please. I want to hang out with them. They sound, cool. they sound like a good time, right? Yeah, they do. But anyway, if you follow me there and you see the things I post, you may have noticed that last week... In my Insta stories, I posted that I was watching The Nun. <laughs> oh, fuck. I forgot. Oh, my God. I haven't talked to you about this. No, we haven't spoken about it. Uh, which is probably for the best, but let's do it on air. Well, <laughs> as I said in the Insta story, clearly I've given up. Like, just, yeah. you know, why don't I just wear sweatpants all the time, right? Because I have just given up. Yeah, yeah, the nuns is the the film equivalent to just a stained sweatpant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but I guess I just wanted something I didn't have to think about, and also I was thinking about Annabelle. <laughs> she gets in your head. She gets in your head, right? So I was like, I'll try this, whatever. Okay, I tapped out. I tapped out. I could. I didn't finish it. I had to turn it off because it was terrible. It's uh, it's utter garbage it's an atrocity yeah yeah but it follows the pattern of all of those movies that here there are three things that happen and the three things just happen over and over and over again and those are hands will grab someone from behind because they're gonna get you <laughs> someone will stand down a hallway you know and not, like then not be a lesbian and not be a lesbian, you know. They're not glancing at you. They're glowering at you yeah. <laughs> from down the hallway. Sometimes they disappear or blip in and out of a room. Yeah. It'll be like just, oh, you think a nun down the hallway is scary once? We're going to do it 75,000 more times. So get ready. <laughs> and then sometimes you see someone disappear around a corner. And those yeah. three things will happen over and over and over and over again. Ad infinitum. Yeah. Infinitum? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But once someone named Frenchie 
came in and saved the day and the music literally went like dun, dun, dun. I tapped out. I pressed oh, stop. Wait. Frenchie from Greece shows up. Well, that would have kept me watching. Are you kidding? And she 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 takes off the habits and she dyes everyone's hair. No, it was somebody, the dude, the like handsome dude, who's oh. who was like just call me Frenchie or whatever. <laughs> I do not remember that. Yeah, well, with good reason. So I tapped out, and I have to say it was a mistake. And my with that, with the like. 45 to 50 minutes of the nun that I watched my conjuring universe rumspringa is over <laughs> you're not gonna get sucked into la llorona down the line nope i'm going home that's it I'm done. <laughs> going home i'm Go- getting cheese fries <laughs> i'm getting cheese fries i'm putting on my bonnet rumspringa is done <laughs> So I just wanted to clear that up because I posted that story and then I didn't say anything else about it. So someone out there is surely casting aspersions in my direction. You know, the people were waiting. The people People. needed a verdict. (laughs) It was like Conclave. You know, we were watching outside Gaylord's Manor waiting to see which color of smoke went pluming up into the air. Yeah. After the nun. And I never answered, mostly because I was embarrassed that I posted that anyway, that I even <laughs> found myself in that position. <laughs> no, but you know, I watched uh, Annabelle Creation, the second the second one. I followed that up um, after, after our last Annabelle talk of many Annabelle talks. Mm-hmm. And, and I said to myself when I finished that movie, you know what? I love that movie. And oh. then... And then I, I stayed and let the credits play, and then the credits got me because then it shows the, like, Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson teaser set up for the next movie where it shows the stupid nun walking down a hallway, and for a split second I thought, should I give it another chance? Mm-hmm. See? That's, that's how Annabelle gets you, man. She's it's just, Annabelle. She's very powerful. She gets a hot nun, she gets a Miranda Otto of the opera, and she just, <laughs> she uses that reverse psychology... She's very powerful. So, I, it just I never realized it. Rumspringa having concluded, though. Yeah. Are you still an Annabelle stan? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But okay. my my venturing out of those parameters is over. Your 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 brief stroll into the <laughs> yeah the the James yeah. Wan cruising grounds. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah. I'm I'm pulling into the parking lot. I'm done yeah. cruising up and down the boulevard. I uh no, it's over. It's over. I think that's wise. I think yeah, that's wise. I, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to say to myself, maybe I should maybe Insidious 7 is okay. No. <laughs> I'm not going to watch The Conjuring. I'm not going to say, yeah, but Lily Taylor's in it. <laughs> like no. I'm not doing it. I am going to rewatch Conjuring 2. I am. I didn't like it. I liked the first Conjuring. I did not like the second one, but I'm going to rewatch it because I saw Vera Farmiga in Annabelle. And that got me thinking, I want to see more Vera Farmiga with a rosary wrapped around her hand because that's my aesthetic, apparently. Well, enough about the nun. God, it was so bad. It's so bad. Not even. I love Thaisa Farmiga. Listen, I love a Farmiga. The whole world knows this. You really do. I, I stan a Formica, and I still want a Vera Formica drag queen. 
but I, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't with that movie. It was terrible. Do you know the whole thing? The spoilers, everyone, if anyone fucking cares about the nun. The whole thing is like, they're all, all the nuns are ghosts and that's the whole movie. <sighs> they're all, they're all ghosts. And then there's for some reason, a demon that is a nun that goes to the Warren's house in England in another movie <laughs> it doesn't it there's no it doesn't make any sense no it's terrible that nice uh production design like i liked the setting in that old castle thing. yeah Cloister yeah no the convent thing but the uh, production design is fantastic that's all the movie has going for it my god people. it looks like a beautiful modern day hammer film but otherwise yeah. it serves no purpose and is a complete waste of that environment yeah Let's set our sights a little higher, people, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do we settle for this? But they make, but, like, billions of dollars. I know. So, I know. what do I know? Anyway, we're not here to talk about any of that, though, are we? No. No, we're back to some revenge. Pure, simple, problematic revenge. <laughs> this month, we are going to, uh, two... Two very different parts of the world and two very different uh, decades, timelines, uh, to look at two films featuring uh, some queer killers who were just a little uh, little out there. A little out there. A little wacky. Do they, do they kill for revenge or do they kill just because they're, they're gay or do they just, are they operating on a different planet altogether? <laughs> well, there's definitely a lot of that. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it depends, especially with the first film we're going to talk about on uh, how you look at these things. And the first film we're going to talk about is High Tension. Oh. A.K.A. Hot Tension. Hot Tension. <laughs> A.K.A. Switchblade Romance. Oh, yeah, Switchblade Romance. That was like the British title, right? Yeah. yeah. 2003 really kicked off sort of over here anyway, the like you know new french extremity craze if first, you will the first movie i saw in that genre back when back I when we just called it french splatter yeah i think it was my first as well yeah yeah it's uh it's an interesting film people really really hate the ending a lot of people hate the ending like a lot of people hate the movie a lot of people hate the movie but that twist people can't handle it have you seen High Tension, people? You know what High Tension is about, right? Marie, Everyone knows. Marie and Alex are driving out to the countryside to stay with Alex's family while they study for, I don't know, they're studying law shit. So they're, you know, smarties. They're driving <laughs> out there. They get there and this horrible man comes in and kills Alex's family, kidnaps Alex takes off with her. Marie goes in pursuit. She's going to save her friend. Then bada boom, bada boom. There's a twist. Marie (laughs) was the killer the whole time. Oh my God, my mind is blown. (laughs) And that's what Joey Tomatoes thinks of this. (laughs) Joey Tomatoes gives it two splats up. (laughs) He'll never make an appearance again. Anyway. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I see so franchise the, potential. So the twist, it's like Marie is chasing after, you know, this horrible man who has kidnapped Alex. 
and uh you know they fight 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 and you find out it's been marie the whole time and it does create some uh laws of physics issues if you look at it as a literal story uh it turns out marie has been in love with alex this whole time and she's a big wackadoodle there you go which is putting it lightly which is putting it lightly this movie is so bloody this movie is uh disgusting (laughs) (laughs) it really is it's it's a lot of blood and let me tell you i i love it (laughs) I, i love the blood um just because I remember being like being that teenager, sitting down and watching this movie that I rented from Blockbuster Video. Was it Hollywood Video when that was still around? It might have been that. Um, and teenager. Just, like, I was a teenager. Well, late teenager, late phase teenager. What'd you say? What? Don't hate me because I'm youthful <laughs> and beautiful, and I occasionally throw my back out all the time. <laughs> Are you insinuating I am not youthful and beautiful? That is very rude. No, you're youthful and beautiful. I'm saying this youthful and beautiful on youthful and beautiful hate needs to cease. <laughs> this is what this is how Trump wins, Stacey, is we're That's too true. busy. We're this too busy true. drawing up these artificial divides just because the youthful beauties have to stop the infighting. Yes. Right? <laughs> Let's focus on the problem in 2020. <laughs> and the problem is not our glamour. That's okay. So, Thank you. I re- you're welcome. I remember watching this film and and just being edge of my seat suspense. Uh, mm-hmm. And so gr- the second let's the can, can you talk about this movie without talking about the head and the banister? Oh my gosh! What the fuck is that? <laughs> oh my gosh! We had to rewind that like seven times because it was the most disgusting and shocking and like not really possible. That might be possible. But it could be possible, but it feels like a stretch. Um, Gore sequences I'd ever seen at that point. And I mean, this kind of really changed the game in terms of, yeah, French Splatter and or the new French Extremity and then and Horror Today, which like you wouldn't have an Evil Dead remake or or whatever, what other gross, gory movies came out since then. You wouldn't have any of those without this, maybe. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, a real update of just a slasher film in general, which had gone through the whole, you know, slashers were gone and then they went through the whole scream, late 90s phase, and Mm -hmm. then really high tension came along and kind of did something new and played with a lot of tropes in terms of like the final girl, for sure, and things like that. And it's incredibly violent and incredibly bloody. Yeah. And like, also, unlike unlike the dude horror era and the torture porn that was taking over the United States in this time period, um, the film was still really stylish and kind of had an avant-garde sort of edge to it at the same time and mm-hmm. how it was made, you know? Yes. Well, it's French. It's, it's French. It's a French film. <laughs> yeah, but it... <laughs> I think the head in the banister, for those who haven't seen it, the killer pushes the dad's head through the banister and then goes and slides a bureau over really fast and it cuts the dad's head off and so much blood comes out. So much blood. So much blood comes out. And that head just rips right off and you get a nice overhead shot. Yeah. 
It's really there's there's violence in this film, but it's entertaining. It is really intense because almost everything happens really quickly. Like they get to the house and the family is wiped out very quickly. And then the rest of it is like a cat and a mouse chase. Yeah, between one, Marie and the killer, which one long chase sequence, one long chase sequence with a lot of silence, which I yes. really appreciate the The entire movie. Uh, Marie has to just be silent like she, right. she's constantly aware that this killer could be listening to anything she's any sound she makes. So uh, up until the final the final one of the final confrontations with him in the film where she finally kills him in that like kind of greenhouse sequence when she lets out that scream it is so deserved Mm-hmm. Especially as a viewer watching this, with the sense of the sense of suspense of this film, it's so deserved in that moment. Um, I love the use of silence. Yes, yeah. It's usually it takes a, a sequence that usually happens like once in a slasher movie, and it's with the final girl. It's like think of Friday Thirteenth Part Two, where Ginny is under the bed and she has to be quiet. Yeah, and then yeah, and then yeah. like the rat comes by and blah blah blah. Like it takes that small moment and makes you know there's like an hour of that of the her entire... having to keep quiet because the killer is looking for her basically yeah it's really intense yeah and then that twist happens and everybody gets so mad or or if you're little me in kaiser oregon you go dude and then your friends go dude <laughs> and then you rewind the head and the banister part again yeah well <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, it works for me. It totally works for me because I don't think it's it's not. That's the thing. When people are like, well, how could she be driving the truck and driving the car at the same time? It's like, obviously, she wasn't. Uh, <laughs> you know, what we saw were basically the two halves of her psyche doing battle with each other. It was all taking place internally. And she was only in one place or the other at a time. Yeah. And I tried to pay attention this time. Uh, That's what I do anytime I watch a movie. I try to pay attention when I watch movies. <laughs> but as the nun proves. Well, I mean, no, I, I tried to pay attention specifically to when she was interacting with characters before the twist. Yes, I zeroed in on a little bit more of the. It's interesting because I've watched this film so many times since I first saw it. Uh, it, it was really high up on my list for a long time. Um, and I, I don't think I really ever zeroed in on the, or, or like zeroed in on looking for signs of the twist as much before as I did on this viewing, I think, cause we're doing it for the show. Right. Yeah. Same. And same. it was, it was weird that this was like, the, the, the twist never has bothered me. Um, I always said it, you know, whenever I talk about the film, I always say, oh, well, you know, that bonkers twist, it never makes sense. Like when we talk to people at conventions or anything, um, or when we screened it for queer horror. But like, but yeah, this time I did, I was definitely finally looking for things and I noticed some new things, which was shocking to me having yeah, seen it, it so many times. It works looking for those details, knowing the twist. When she goes in uh, to see Alex, um, when Alex is chained up in the house, and Alex is like, a f- she's very terrified to even be facing her. Right. Right. Which, on your first viewing, you take that to mean Alex is just being traumatized. 
Yeah, she's concerned about her baby brother. or Right. She's just panicking. She's tied up. It's like a horrible situation. But you realize she's reacting to Marie. Or, you know, or like, and sometimes the characters aren't even seeing Marie because her interaction with them isn't actually happening, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, it's all in Marie's head. It's all in Marie's head. So she's like the hero and the villain. And it's, I think it's really sad. People hate the twist. Like, it ruins the movie for a sizable portion of horror fans. I think just completely dismiss the movie because of the twist. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I've heard that. And it is, it is problematic in that, you know, at the end she's repeating, I won't let anyone come between us anymore. I won't let anyone come between us anymore. Like, <laughs> you know, she is the cuckoo crazy gay killer um, who kills kind of because she's gay. But to me, the whole thing is like internalized homophobia. Yes, absolutely. And that's what that's what really impressed me in this viewing was I was like, I feel like we've all kind of, as a, as queer people or, you know, however we identify, I think we've all kind of been in that place of, uh, like, going going to a sleepover at a friend's house. Or, like, maybe maybe you're, like, a little bit later in your teenage years or something and you get to, you, I don't know, you go on a family camping trip or something. And for, for me, like, in this, I can place myself in Marie's shoes of, like, going to stay with the family, going to get, she's essentially meeting the parents for the first time. Mm-hmm. And staying with the family, and it's like, I can almost see that sense of her wanting to picture herself being part of the family and being with Alex. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, like you said, yeah, there's sort of these two halves of her psyche are battling. So I see, see it almost like a live action or like in the moment sliding doors sort of experience where she sees the possibility where where she could really fight for this person and save this person and, and be part of her life. Or the uh, opposite of like that internalized sense of fear and um, of of society trying to prevent it and her own desire to or not desire but her own sort of fear preventing right the reality of it or or the fact that they can't be together or the shame or the hatred within herself you know yeah I think it's it's all about the shame and yeah. the self hatred and just the self loathing lesbian. Yeah. Who, you know, when she this killer that she projects that is that part of her psyche is is just like this horrible, disgusting man. Oh, my God. He's like the grossest French redneck troll. Yeah, he's filthy. He has disgusting, like filthy fingernails. Uh, Everything is sexual to him. The first time we see him, he's filleting himself with a severed head. Did you notice that the head almost looks like Alex? Yeah. Yep. I noticed that this time before I I was always like, oh, this scene doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It almost looks like Alex, but they couldn't have it be her, obviously. Yeah. But it's very reminiscent. Um, so that's like, I think, how she views like being a lesbian, probably because of what society has put on her. And and she's internalized all of that homophobia, and that's what she views her gayness as, is, like, being, like, a disgusting man. Yeah. To, like, want this other woman sexually. Yeah, but then as a monster. As a monster. But then at the end, when she kind of, like, comes to terms with it, like, she wins. Like, the real Marie, 
like yeah she's cuckoo bonkers but like the actual marie doesn't try to kill alex at any point in time mm-hmm. it's always the man and marie is the one who like is the hero and wins the day kind yeah of thing. oh that's nice isn't it yeah if only she had just you know like accepted i think it's really sad it is More- it is it is a bummer yeah that she like doesn't accept herself and it kind of breaks her brain i think yeah. i mean who knows who cause and effect like well her brain that. seems like it was already a little broken yeah yeah i don't think it's going to happen to that extent without your brain already being broken but it's like i think it's the perils of internalized homophobia and i think it's you just need to like accept yourself and love yourself and like live your life oh get your power tools lesbian <laughs> i mean did anybody think she wasn't a lesbian with that haircut and that thumb ring. <laughs> right. And the lack of humor and her, like, sex shaming her friend. It's like, wow. I know. do appreciate that um, her killer self, the the gross French redneck, I do appreciate that he also drives the standard lesbian ice cream truck clown car. <laughs> the Jeepers Creepers mobile. Yeah, yeah. Fucking creepy yeah. ass weird truck. Yeah. It's also, like, I think probably every, I would definitely say lesbian, and I'm sure it applies to gay men, too, and everybody in between, but it's, like, having to listen to your straight friend that you have a hopeless crush on, having to listen to them go on about shitty dudes. Right. And that's that's the opening scene of them in that car. She doesn't want to hear about what happened with the guy at the party. Right. And then yeah. next, the next thing, as they're driving up, and she's just come out of sleeping in the car and having this dream about basically the ending of the movie, like prophesying what she's going to do. Mm-hmm. That's that hearing that thing is immediately followed by this masturbatory, like a uh, weird BJ severed head BJ sequence mm-hmm. that more or less looks like Alex's head. Yeah, I and yeah. I think. I think one of the one of the things that's most telling about the movie and my one of my my absolute favorite parts um, is the fact that the killer shows up as she's masturbating. Mm-hmm. There's the weird when she's outside having a cigarette and she looks up and she can see Alex in the shower. Uh huh. There's like that's when the soundtrack kind of goes staticky. Yeah. Which happens like that, which is kind of like the killer's ambient noise. But then, yeah, absolutely. Like, she climaxes from masturbating to a song that is singing, She's Just Another Girl. Right. And then the killer shows up. It's like she has just given herself over to this idea, finally, that she's in love with her friend. And then he comes along to try to upend everything and, like, destroy the heterosexual hegemony, you know? And then it's up to her to save him. Save them all. She's got to save him. Yeah. I think it really works. I think if you're looking at it totally literally, then you're going to say, like, she can't be in the closet and in the truck. Oh, my God. It doesn't make any sense. Like, of course. (laughs) How is she keeping all these rabbits alive in that bunker? (laughs) Yeah, where'd she get all those scissors? (laughs) But, I mean, looking at it as, like, the metaphor for overcoming your internalized homophobia, I think it's, I don't know that that was the intent uh at all but it's there it's to yeah. me it's the central thesis of the film and i think it's really smart yeah i think that's a i think that's a great read of the film um i i have a lot of questions about if 
Aja, 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 Alexandre, Alexandre, Aja. I don't know. I don't know. I, like it's it, that. That was always my kind of question for this. Was like, is it exploitive or is it like this kind of gross dude fantasy around lesbianism? That like lesbianism, blood. You know, like what. What kind of weird exploitive gross dude fantasy is this, or can it be? And I, I feel like to some extent you could look at and just write off the twist as being part of that sort of exploitation lens. Mm. But I do think with the cues and with the sense of her hearing about the bo- the boy that she made it with at the party and the masturbating and him showing up and and that idea of going to visit your friends and their parents and getting to be a part of their family for a moment of time and having that possibility of getting to be part of this family as a loving relationship that all does kind of cue that there's a little bit more thought going into this i think yeah yeah i mean it's too good in those respects for it not to have any thought i can also see it just being like a cool twist Mm-hmm. Because, like, people are going to be shocked because they think in terms of audiences just being full of straight people who are doing surface reads. So it's like, you would never expect for one of them to be gay. Right, And yeah. then to be the killer. Like, gays and straights aren't friends. That would be crazy. <laughs> you know, well, so I can just see it being America. like, yeah, yeah, not under my Christian roof. <laughs> but, like, you know... Uh, so I can just see it just being on, on the surface, like a huge twist that nobody would ever see coming kind of thing. Yeah. Know? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe they thought more deeply about it. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It feels, it feels very built into the film. Um, and I was interested in that in this watch too, through more uh, viewing too. Um, Cause I also read about this whole, did you know this whole history with the Dean Koontz novel intensity? Yeah, I'd heard that it's similar to the beginning of Intensity or something. It's it's basically the ultimately like the same synopsis up until that final chase scene. Uh, but I guess Dean Koontz had some, like I, he was potentially going to sue or something, or he had some issue with the movie. He was claiming that they they stole the story because it's also about these two girls, one of them one of the best friend from college. They go back to the family's house in the country during a school trip to like study. Um, a killer shows up, murders everyone, chains up the other girl. She runs off and goes chasing after her, ends up at a gas station, like every beat by beat. It's the same story up until the chase sequence, the killing of the killer. And then that whole, the whole twist. Um, but I do think, I mean, even if the first half or the first act of the movie is essentially the same or the first two acts, like the whole twist feels so built in on this second viewing Mm -hmm. or, or, or this is like probably my 15th viewing at this point, but on this Gaylord's viewing, the twist feels yeah. much more integrated than I really remember. Yes. Um, that I think it kind of elevates it past pure, uh, uh, just a ripoff of the Dean Koontz story. But if, even uh, the director said like they, somebody asked him about it, like a convention or something. And he said, Oh yeah, he was aware of the movie and he had read it before and he's aware of the similarities. And that's all he said. <laughs> so, huh. so he's just a little troll. <laughs> but interesting. But it does seem like they shook it up enough where the story does then change what it's about. Right. Yeah, I think the added. the twist makes it about something else entirely. Yeah. And elevates it to queer horror. It's definitely mm-hmm. part of the canon. Oh, for sure. 
Or should be, if it's not considered to be. <laughs> I just don't see why this wouldn't be included in the canon. Yeah, it should be. It, it. I feel like it should be. I feel like it is, maybe, in terms of how people talk about it. But I feel like some people wouldn't include it because the director, or because it isn't from queers, it, or it could be seen as more exploitive and using queerness as a shock twist, or, you know. Mm. Well. Yeah. I guess I'm, sometimes I'm just really lenient, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. like, you know, like using it as a shock twist or whatever. I'm like, no, but there's more. Like I can see more in it. And yeah, I don't know. And I feel, I notice uh, the older I get, I also become more and more in love with the problematic killers. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I kind of love negative depictions sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, as a viewer, it's like it gives me more to think about. And it gives me something to aspire to. You know what? <laughs> it's revenge month. These killers we're talking about today, if they kill just because they're gay, you know what? I'm here for it because being gay is fucking hard. <laughs> so <laughs> People want to kill me just because I'm gay. Exactly. So why, is why it can't okay? I kill them because I'm gay? You know, right. Why isn't it OK for a gay killer to kill people just because they're gay and maybe a little crazy, right? Because <laughs> we have been pushed to that point. We've been pushed to the brink. So I mean, all this... when that was all you had, you know. Oh, was just the horrible gay killer was just the horrible gay killer and it was like you know when it was still classified as like a mental illness and you could be like arrested or killed or it was illegal or you had to go see a psychiatrist and all that yeah (laughs) (laughs) but nowadays like looking back on these things i'm like let's fucking embrace them why not that's the in the love simon era I in the Love Simon era, am happy to go back to these more negative depictions and be like, "Yes, Queen." <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, uh, it's a, like right now society gets my blood boiling, so I find these more. I tend to find stuff like this more cathartic than yeah. I would Love Simon. Yeah, you know. Oh, good! And he it, finally came out. Versus, look at that head well, coming so off Marie. of that banister. Yeah, yeah, Marie came out too. God damn it! <laughs> right, like where's her coming out parade? Yeah, yeah. Who's gonna give her a, a target snow globe? Oh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's nice that we have uh, some choices. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Th- this gives me more to think about, and it's more entertaining, and you know, and so stylish. Yeah. And so stylish. And, so stylish. You know, so influential. Obviously, it doesn't mean I don't love Carol any less. <laughs> do I wish Carol had used that gun? Maybe I do. Anyway. You know, the state, that actually is really sad thinking about the state of queer horror and what we consider the canon and where that goes. Because also, I mean, we've talked about this when it comes to just queer films in general. Uh, you know, I've I've always thought they're so, because... We don't, a lot of our filmmakers don't have access to um, big budgets or or A-list actors or because a lot of A-list directors maybe who may not be queer or whatever aren't making queer stories. There's not a lot of great queer films out there or really well-made ones, right? Right. So like, like for me, it's like, oh, well, there's like, you know, we've got, we've got Carol, we've got 
um, the way he looks. We've got Call Me By Your Name. We've got High Art. We've got uh, what else? Like, there's not a lot of great ones. I no. It feels like there's a lot less of the ones I truly, truly love that I would be comfortable showing to a friend as like this is a good movie, you know? Yeah, for me, it's like Carol is the only one. Yeah, that's why I and, say I've waited my whole life for that movie. It's beautiful. It has like a list caliber talent behind the lens and in front of the lens. It's yeah. a piece of fucking art. It's the first one. And that's the thing is like when I when I list off those films, there's like. You know, for me, I'll say, call me your name, the way he looks, God's own country, beautiful thing, and Carol. <laughs> right. So, like, one of these things is not like the other, in that right. we're, there is so much less lesbian representation, and, like, queer woman stories, and, like, fantasies, and romances, and just well-made films, because so much of it is still centering maleness, which is still a little bit more privileged, and therefore a little bit more accessible, and therefore a little bit more marketable. Right. Uh, so in the queer horror world, there's what? High Tension, <laughs> Daughters of Darkness, uh, plus like how many lesbian vampire movies? Right. Martyrs. Martyrs, yes. Thank you martyrs for incorpor- never Martyrs never gets, we'll have our martyrs time, but martyrs never gets discussed in terms of queer horror. And it like should, all. and it should, as should Black Swan. Yes. Um, but a lot of those, like, because, and I think because they're women's stories, like, people kind of, people see women as, you know, fluid anyway, man. So even if there's elements of queerness or, or blatant queerness, it doesn't get counted as that. Right. Yeah. It's a phase or it's done just to titillate men. Yeah. 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 It's still, like, men are still the center of the stories. Even though it's like looking at Carol, it's like, you know, yeah, awards ceremonies and whatever are meaningless. However, it's like Brokeback Mountain won stuff, right? And was very central to the conversation. Moonlight won. All of these male stories won. And then Carol comes along and it's a story where men are inconsequential to the story. Yeah. It's not someone's coming out story. It's no one is wrestling with their sexuality. It's like men are inconsequential to this story and it got like no love yeah also unlike both of the films you named they get a happy ending and they get a happy ending yeah (laughs) yep because we can also get behind gay male like queerness or whatever um and romances yeah as long as one of them dies or they break up or then the other guy like meets another guy at the end and there's but we don't get to see the satisfaction that's one of the problems i have with moonlight um we don't get to see the actual the catharsis we're just told it's going to happen um And Carol has that. And yeah, that that's such bullshit that it didn't win. I'm so sorry. That's terrible. <laughs> that is terrible. And that's just, I'm you know. Still waiting. Still waiting. That's This is a whole, I mean, come on. This is Jason Blum. <laughs> this is a whole untouched avenue in the world of queer horror. It really is. It really is. It's, I mean, it's a small pool anyway. You it, know. Is it though? Yeah. I don't know. It's getting there. But I think also to go back to like problematic portrayals, I still think they're worth talking about. And I say that only because I saw a comment somewhere on social media about Rue Morgue's queer fear issue that they did. Uh huh. Oh, the one that we're featured in? (laughs) 
Yeah, that one. That one. <laughs> uh, someone left a comment that was like, I can't believe you included Sleepaway Camp in this. It has such problematic portrayals of trans characters, and it's why people are afraid of trans people. Um, Sleepaway Camp is why, not our politicians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I think even if that were true, it's like it's still worth talking. Like, they were literally re- reacting to the fact that Sleepaway Camp was mentioned on the cover of this magazine. You know what I mean? It's like, it's still, even if that their point was entirely true, I still think it's worth talking about. It is. It absolutely is. Also, side note, I will fight anyone to the death over that read of Sleepaway Camp. I think it's one of the most crucial queer stories in film. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the negative depictions, and that's the thing, is the negative depictions are, are also important because they either, they show... They show way they show ways of of um, how society has villainized us and then vilified us, and uh, there's something there's something sociologically important about that about holding on to that. That's I'm very much a person that's like don't erase history because right. we need that to remind us of the bullshit that people have put us through. <laughs> yeah, I, I that's think, what I mean. Is like we can't just shovel these all into a pit and pretend they never happened. Yeah. I mean, I go yeah. back and it's the same thing with like Confederate statues. I'm like, well, it's great. I, I love there's a cathartic sense of you toppling or vandalizing that statue. Vandalize it. Yeah. But like also maybe we should still have these reminders of how fucking shitty the South is and how racist it is. <laughs> like, right. I think it depends on how they're d- interacting with these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's always that's always a context for everything. Yeah. yeah. Context. What a concept. Yeah. <laughs> do you like that? Do you like that one? I do. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. So, I mean, yeah, you can you can read high tension as problematic. She kills because she's a crazy lesbian. Or he created as She was horny, all right? She was fucking horny. I, you know, for the longest time, I, I don't know that I agree with this read that I previously proposed to myself, um, this viewing. But uh, for the longest time, I thought of it that it was the entire movie was just her masturbation fantasy um you could read it a couple different ways it's it's hmm. it's a really interesting movie it's it is. And, and that's the thing is it's stylish and motherfucker i'm not even a big muse fan but i i've said this on the show before <laughs> i just think that song is so cool with her driving down the road <laughs> that yes when i was a youth i would drive down the country roads and i would blast newborn and i would pretend i was marie but I wouldn't chase and murder my friends that I was in love with. Or, like... You put on your thumb ring. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's... Oh, and that's a nice thing, is they kind of... They do... The movie does go back and forth. Like, when you see Marie's nicely manicured nails dropping the bullets out of the side of the window. And it's supposed to be the killer. Right. So, you know, there's... Yeah. She's got more going on than people are willing to give her. You know, maybe they hate this movie because it's gay. And they're not willing to... To go along with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Who's the real homophobe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want Marie to lead the dyke march next year. Yeah, bitch. Get all cement saws on Washington. Yeah. She'll do it and she won't enjoy it. That's <laughs> the kind of lesbian representation I want to see. <laughs> Just another girl, no more. Yeah, she's a humorless prude (laughs) with that haircut. 
when that thumb rang, it's like, duh, we should have seen that twist coming the first time they showed her on screen. A million miles away, that family should have just locked the door. <laughs> yeah, send her out to the cornfield. Yeah, Banish her to the cornfield. Get back in your weird ice cream Jeep and go away. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they killed a little kid. I know. But yeah, but that kid had it coming. He was really annoying. I love kids, but that kid, that, that little shit. He was annoying. <laughs> was little... But they killed him, and they sh- like showed his dead body. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah, that was messed up. Well, I, mean, I don't mean it was sad. I just mean like it was sad when the dog do died. Yeah. But I also yeah. appreciated that it, the dog was clearly a very good boy that wasn't good at acting dead, so I could see him breathing, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. little little buddy's okay. He's fine. <laughs> He's fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess then we should travel to the past. Uh, get in, in our Gaylord's about, Time Machine. Get in the Gaylord's Time Machine to talk about our other problematic gay killer movie that starts with hi. Yeah, man, we got our, our weed stogies lit. <laughs> We're going to uh, go down to the furniture store circa 1987. Yeah, oh man. And we're going to play Hide and Go Shriek. Hide and Go Shriek, a title that gives uh, mixed messages. <laughs> I feel you can hide or you can shriek. <laughs> One or the other, honestly. One or the other, you can't do both at the same time. Right? I'm not a binaristic person, but let me tell you. <laughs> but in this case. They have created a very strict binary in that title that opposes itself. <laughs> It's it's an inversion. It is. Much it's, like gay people. <laughs> yeah, it's like Marie's brain. In a yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, yeah, wow, hide and go shriek. Whew, a late 80s slasher, baby. It's got all those late 80s trappings that you want. The hair. Scrunch socks. <laughs> the biggest hair I've ever seen in my entire life. Scrunch socks with heels. Scrunch um, socks with heels, a pink boombox, pastels. <laughs> oh. The killer might be Jill Gray or Klaus Nomi. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure who. We're not sure. Um, Some oh. wicked fucking sweet ass brontosaurus earrings. Yeah. I was like, oh, I watched it with my friend Maddie and I was like, Maddie, those ear." We both were like the earrings <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Uh oh wow, hide and go shriek. This was it is about yeah. Oh yes. Oh, I was just gonna say this was my first viewing. Um. Oh really? Yeah, and I loved it. I loved watching okay. this movie. It's a lot of fun. It is it's a lot of fun. I will say I would like to see the Blu-ray at some point so I can see what's happening at some points. Yes, there's even a DVD which I did not realize when I when I, but we didn't have it at our video store. Um, but yeah, so I watched it on YouTube, which I think you did also. I did. I have the VHS, but it's packed away somewhere. Okay. Which wasn't much better than the YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely suggest seek out the, I think it was Code Red did the Blu-ray or the DVD um, because YouTube, you're going to literally miss half of the visual information in this film. Yeah. yeah, It's it's a shock that I even saw those Brontosaurus earrings, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's it's a trip. It's I I don't even think I'd call it a second tier slasher. I think it's a third tier slasher. It's the D list of slashers for sure. It's the D list of slashers, but it's a lot of fun. It uh, it's about 
and I quote, eight fabulous friends who got through high school and are going to do great things. It's a little cheer that one of them gives to themselves. They're going to spend the night. They just graduated from high school. And before they go off to college or to marriage or to their jobs at Radio Shack or McDonald's, they are going to spend the night and celebrate in a massive multi-story furniture store that is owned by one of their dads. Everyone's done this. This is a standard post-high school rite of passage. Post high school rite of passage, they can't turn on the lights. They can't make a mess. As you well know, teenagers do not make messes. Ever. They're neat and tidy. Always. So there's there's eight of them. There's four couples. They're all going to, you know, drink and have food and do it. They're gonna. There's going to be mucho canoodles. Mucho canoodling happening. But they are not alone. There's, first of all... There is the man who works at the furniture store on the docks, like unloading things. Who also lives there. (laughs) He also lives there because he's an ex-convict and he has nowhere else to go. And you can tell he's an ex-con because he has some wicked snake tattoos everywhere. Snake tattoos on his hands. Yeah. So he's there doing his thing. Is he the killer that's also lurking around? Maybe. Psych. No, he's not. (laughs) (laughs) It is revealed at the end of the film. Oh, my God. That the killer, whose name is Zach, is the ex-jailhouse lover of our dock worker man. (laughs) And who says, I, uh, oh, Zach, uh, yeah, the dock worker says, I told you it was over, and now you kill people. This is a fight we've all had with our significant others. (laughs) Yeah. So Zach just wanted to get back together with him. They were coming between us. It's like the echoes between Hide and Go Shriek and High Tension. There are significant amounts of echoes. Literally, there's even that line of like, no one's going to come between us or I won't let anyone come between us. Yeah. It's bonkers. Yeah. So Zach is killing everyone that's getting in the way of him and his jailhouse lover. But his jailhouse lover, quote, tried to be straight. On the outside and told him it was over. We're on the outside now. Gay for the stay only, baby. But Zach can't handle it. And so Zach turns to murder. Yeah. Hide and go shriek. Man. <laughs> Zach, when I think of the, you know, Freddy, Jason, Michael, <laughs> Chucky, <laughs> Tiffany, Zach. Mary Lou, Zach. <laughs> All the way down to the credits, the last, like, cast member title card says, and so-and-so as, quotations, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, I can't wait to see who Zach turns out to be. Yep, yep. Zach is uh, something else. Zach is is literally, like, the MC in Cabaret meets um, Anthony Perkins in, uh, what is that movie? What is that movie with Kathleen Turner, the Ken Russell movie that's fantastic? Super oh, fucking yeah, bonkers. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, that yeah. crazy yeah, preacher yeah. that kills people with his dildo knife. <laughs> yeah, his crucifix dildo knife. God, what the? F- anyway, he uh, crimes of passion. He yeah yeah yeah. Zach is uh, <laughs> Zach is a mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it begins with uh, we don't see a face, but we see a man applying makeup 
which first of all like <laughs> okay holly weird like what <laughs> happen men don't wear makeup no makeup is for girls all right christ on a crawl what's next he's gonna go read drag queen story time to kids at the <laughs> library let's don't get into that satanic shit <laughs> he's gonna try to use my public restroom <laughs> yeah so he's applying makeup but he also puts on a three-piece suit and a hat and he goes to pick up a prostitute but when the prostitutes get a load of his face with makeup on it, they're like, what? No way! That's crazy! <laughs> Absolutely not. But he finally finds a prostitute who's game. They go to an alley, have some silent uh, wall humping. Relations. <laughs> the scientific term is relations. I see. Relations. And then uh, he stabs her and she goes, oh, <laughs> I mean the depravity. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was all she did. I loved it. That's so good. Yeah, and so then the the kids are in the furniture store, and there is a lot of nothing in this movie. So right? much. It, it's just. <laughs> It's just people getting in and out of beds <laughs> and yeah. then and then talking about when they're going to eat <laughs> and then eating and then still yeah. talking about when they're going to eat. Rotate, yeah. go back to bed, get up from bed again. <laughs> yeah, it's a really horny movie. Uh, everybody talks about sex or is going to have sex or isn't sure if they want to have sex or they do nothing but have sex. Or they decide not to have sex, just be friends, and then they have sex. <laughs> and then they have sex. Sex, 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 sex. There's a lot all of mannequins also. A lot of mannequins all over the store. A little creepy. Uh, there's a lot of that. I'm talking like 55 minutes. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> of that. And then Zach... Starts picking them off one by one. But what is interesting is whenever Zach kills someone, he then puts on their clothes and assumes their personality for a moment to lure the next victim over. Because he's a method. He's method. He's a character actor, right? He's a method killer. Failed character actor. <laughs> so when he kills a young woman and then he wants to kill her boyfriend, he will put on her negligee and go, <laughs> yeah, and then run around the corner. And then the boy's like, what are you doing? And he goes to find out, and then Zach kills him. The movie is so, there are so many shots and cutaways of Zach running in the background, dressed as women, going, <laughs> It is yeah. true. And every time a boy goes running after, it is truly inspirational and hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and by the end, he's, like, putting on more makeup, he puts on his suit again for a little while, and he's, like, total mincing fairy at that point, and he's like, a housewife's work is never done! Yes, and then ultimately, and it's not just, the motivation isn't just, nothing will come between us anymore, um, or nobody will come between us, the motivation in addition to that is also, uh, <laughs> this, we, we've got to clean our house! Because the furniture store <laughs> is where the beloved lives, so this is her house. <laughs> right. And these children yeah. are messing up the house. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, wow. But then by the end, he's full on, he's got a face full of makeup, and he's full on in like a bondage harness. Wearing a harness and leather pants. Like Leather pants. Straight, like straight on, a, like a, a Patrick Nagel mannequin straight on a fulsome. <laughs> 
It's some Tom of Finland shit. Uh-huh. And he gets into a knife fight with his ex-lover. Uh, yeah, four kids survive. Four out of the eight survive, which is kind of shocking that there's such a low body count. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like more. It felt like more. Huh. But it's, there's a, a final foursome. There's some great... That elevator kill is fantastic. That was... Okay, pre-Resident Evil, like the opening of Resident Evil, when that, that actress I love from Interview with the Vampire and Resident Evil, and that's like all I've seen her in, <laughs> yeah. when she gets her head stuck in the elevator and then it, the wall goes up and she's instantly decapitated. Same same yeah. scene, but in 1987. And yes. gnarly effects where you see all of it instead of the cutaway like in Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah, it's really well done. But also, sadly, it happens to Kim, a.k.a. my second favorite character in the film. <laughs> yeah, I love her. Bonnie is the number one, uh, right? Thank you for recognizing Bonnie for life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one of the weirdest characters I've ever seen. She really is. She's like the snob, right? <laughs> She's the snobby one. And she proceeds to, like, go completely nuts slash catatonic. Yeah. It's it's almost the- like if Sarah in The Descent meets Sally Hardesty meets a valley girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's this movie, especially at the end, like the last 15, 20 minutes. There is a lot of delicious overacting. So much. Oh, she is. These kids go for it. Her especially, like she's the queen of it. But all the final foursome all oh, are great. gnashing their teeth, yeah. and clutching their hair, and you know, it's just it's it's really fun. You could tell everyone really was having a blast making it. I would hope. Um, yes, like Bonnie is so fucking weird. Like I was, I fell in love with Bonnie when she had the the line reading in bed, like half half dressed in bed yelling at everybody saying you guys how many times do i have to tell you we are eating together and she does some (laughs) spectacular hand acting as she says this line and that for me i thought that was the pinnacle but then we get just treated to just bizarrity after bizarrity as her character experiences the entire uh landscape of emotions (laughs) and shocks and surprises Buzz off, buzz head. <laughs> I love her. I wrote that line down. <laughs> yeah, it was so I love good. Her. Yeah, as yeah. as portrayed, also it should be said by the incredible Bungie Jones. Yes, that's short. It's literally short for Rabunka. Rabunka Jones. Um, R.I.P. She died in. <laughs> she passed away in 2015. I wanted to find oh. more info on her, but there's no information on her at all. Um, oh. The only information I found said she passed away in 2015. It doesn't say why or how, but it was in Los Angeles. Um, I I love her. She is my queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's this movie's. It's like I said. It it definitely a lot of nothing happens, and then even when it's supposed to be action, then it just becomes the foursome, the final foursome, running from place to place. Yeah. They run somewhere with their, like, mannequin arm weapons. Everyone, each time they need to defend themselves, they just g- reach over and grab a different mannequin limb. They're so- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They run somewhere else, and then they're like, we can't stay here. And then they run somewhere else, and then they say, we can't stay here. And then they run somewhere else. I mean, literally, that happens for, like, the last. There's, like, five minutes of this movie that, I mean, it's just. 
there's a lot of nothing but it's also super duper charming in that it was 80s overacting way it was so charming and even even with i mean we both watched the same movie and i agree with you um but i didn't realize how much nothing there was in it until you said that because i was so entertained the whole way through Um, right yes it's well it's fairly well paced uh it's it even in those silly moments you can laugh at just the terrible acting or the uh, the brilliant acting uh the 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 hilarious lines and the amazing fashions Mm mm-hmm yeah yeah it's yeah it's one of my favorite like d lists yeah yeah i really enjoyed it and i have to say i mean all this said you know we were we were watching nothing happen while seeing nothing because on YouTube, <laughs> yeah. literally half of the, the lights aren't turned on in this furniture store. So half of the movie, it's just, you don't see what you're looking. You can't see tell what you're looking at um, on YouTube yeah, at least. Yeah. So that's once again, watch the digital, like a DVD or Blu-ray if you can. Um, and I was still very, I was in it to win it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's got the killer who, you know, is he killing because he's gay? Sure. Yeah. But is he also destroying the heterosexual paradigm in yes. this bastion to domesticity? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And he, you know what? He's he's doing it all for love. Right. And listen, you know, was it Fred? Is Fred the dock worker? I'm not sure of his name. I think it was Fred. Uh, Fred made his choice. And Fred, they had a special thing. He looked down for him. He protected him in prison. Six years. It was a six-year relationship. They have matching tattoos. Fred has a tattoo on his hand. And I believe Zach has the same tattoo on his foot. On his foot, Yeah. And, you know, they were going to be together. They got out. They tried to make it work. It didn't. It wasn't working for Fred. And then, yeah. so Zach's got to have, you know, Zach's got, I think, that's why I was like, this is inspirational. The only thing that didn't make sense to me <laughs> in that in that train of thought where I was like, okay, I can actually once again get behind this gay killer um, was the beginning with the prostitute. Was that him trying to be straight? And Maybe that was him trying to be straight. Because yeah. otherwise, I was like, "This doesn't fit with the movie or his mo." It doesn't. It doesn't. And that was just it's... like a very opening scene that was just there to shock slash potentially titillate in a gross way the audience. Yes. Or yeah. you could, I guess, now after hearing you say that about him trying, him trying to make it work in the real world, I could see it as him trying to be straight, but. Right. Otherwise, but it don't just... take it out on the prostitute, you know. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's just, it just feels unnecessary and misogynist. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, I think that part of that is a sign of the times. Yeah, I, I mean, Pros- listen. sex workers were just in films to be killed. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. And and I'm yeah. I'm here for I'm here for some heterophobia, but not not misogyny, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I don't know. Check it out if you can. <laughs> it's a glowing recommendation, Stacy. <laughs> I just mean, you know, when I, I always forget about this film. I always forget about it because it is so, like, down the rung, down the ladder, you know, in terms yeah. of slasher movies. But it's a curio for sure. Yeah. And going off of earlier film from LGBTQ Revenge Month, it's also kind of a lesser 
lesser scene slasher. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not a night warning. It's not as good as that. There's no Susan Tyrrell in this movie. I mean, Rebunka Jones is fucking spectacular in her own way. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely the message and the sociological import of of uh night warning is is way more crucial than this storyline but as a lgbtq revenge month problematic pick it's a joy it's a it's really fun um and it's you know it's a there there's some point there's some poignant moment like i thought fred his dying words you know he's talking about but there's there's a double reading here because queer people were mm-hmm. we're always double reading. He's taught he, his dying words are "I tried to be straight," mm-hmm. and then he dies. And it's like he obviously he's talking about you know straight in the sense of not living a life of crime. Right, he's talking to his boss at that point. But in many ways, like you can also see that life of crime being aligned with homosexuality, and that's trying to be yeah. straight, literally in that literal reading. Uh, and it's it's kind of pointed and sad when he says that as he dies, and then you see this other guy really fighting for their relationship um, until he trips on Kim's severed head and falls into an elevator shaft, <laughs> <laughs> which is how I hope to go. He gets, he, away. he gets away at the end. And we get a so. nice Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street 2 ending of him driving the ambulance. Yep. Which is and also a prom night wall. 2 ending. Yeah. 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 So. So it, he could still be out there. Yeah. Also, we have a great uh, death by mannequin arm. Yeah. I've never <laughs> yep. seen anyone impaled on a mannequin arm before. That was a joy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, I recommend it. I say four revenges out of five (laughs) (laughs) yeah yay what a time (laughs) what a time to be alive or to be a (laughs) institutionalized gay killer (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh boy poor marie yeah i hope you know i feel like we don't have more need for these stories or these kinds of killers anymore um but I, I do like I do like forms of, of queer representation that show queerness in all its complicated aspects. Right. So if you can do it smartly, if they, you have a reason for making giving us a queer killer again, uh, really give us a reason down the line. Yeah. Uh, and these films they they began to have some reasons actually, which is is interesting and maybe sets them apart from the standard like oh well the this is you know buffalo bill and silence lambs are like oh it's just this gnarly weird trans killer that's gross right like yeah hopefully those representations go away and we get a whole world of queer representations right yeah i think especially high tension because it's just got that whole other read yeah yeah absolutely that works it's not even a stretch yeah you know to see the film that way well it doesn't work if you're if you're a straight horror fan (laughs) Well, all I care about is, is it scary? That's all I care about. Yeah, and boobs. Boobs. <laughs> Love boobs, man. You need, that's what horror needs. You need boobs. You need a lot of violence. And it needs to be scary. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, there's no point. That's not, I'm, I won't get out of my, my seat to go have another <laughs> right. seat to the theater. That's right. Unless I get people, people really think that way. I know, and that's really that's really depressing. I was saying, I was talking to you. I think some of my favorite movies, horror movies, aren't scary. Yeah. Or might not be the goriest. Like, 
I like I like a yeah. horror movie that makes me think. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love uh Jurassic Park <laughs> 5. <laughs> do we have a listener question today? Uh we do. Uh William is looking for some recommendations for movies that he can watch with his daughter who wants to start watching horror movies. Uh, he said she loves Stranger Things. She liked Jaws. She liked Aliens. The rules are no rapey stuff, no super degrady stuff, and no suicides. So no French extremity. So I would say no French. I would, yeah. How about Martyrs? Yeah, Martyrs and Inside. To bring that up again. Are out? Martyrs and Inside. <laughs> um, yeah, those are out. <laughs> Pretty much anything from France is out. Anything from France. Um, anything from Italy. Right. Yeah. Stay away from Europe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't go. Don't go there. Yeah. Um, so uh, we didn't get an age, but, you know. Oh. I think we could still make some recommendations. Yeah. I was thinking like teenager, but oh, yeah. If we're thinking. Okay. It could be like a youngish teenager, like 12, 13. A tween, if you will. Oh, man. Oh, this is rough. This, that just got harder now. Oh. But I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I think Jaws and Alien are terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I and assume she's probably of the age of, like, the Stranger Things kids, I would assume. Okay, yeah. And actually, she Stranger Things it. is pretty fucked up. There's, like, heads getting shot in, in the head. <laughs> Yikes. It's got some fucked up things, so. Okay, yeah. okay, good to know. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So do you have some recommendations? I do. I, I did it. I don't know. Oh. I just decided, oh. um, you know, she can. She's not going to do it. She can Venmo me for the emotional labor. <laughs> Cash app, baby. <laughs> I got to collect my coin. Um, yeah. I, I put it together. Well, I put together a couple, but I'm like, I don't know because some of them are pretty gory. So I'm like now questioning my choices. Um, but I guess I watched gory shit when I was that age. So I'm sure it's fine. Uh, Let's see. Uh, one that I just uh, am contractually obligated to recommend every time I recommend a movie because I love this movie so much uh, is The Final Girls. The Final Girls. Because I think it's so sweet. I think it's wonderful. I think it's adorable. I think I think it's a movie that a teenager could really relate to or a young person. Um, and it's PG-13, so there's not a lot of explicit anything in the movie. Um, it's a blast. Uh, to the similar end, I also recommended Tragedy Girls because I thought about putting that. I thought about it, but I was like, it's a little brutal. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's not suicide, but like they hang hang people, make it look like suicide. So that's where I I don't know how to effectively gauge triggers in this respect. Um, yeah, that's I thought it might be a bit much but i was thinking when i was younger like when i was like a young a young kid getting into horror i think i would have loved a movie like tragedy girls uh Mm. uh another one thinking thinking off of jaws i defaulted to one of my favorite shark movies which is the shallows starring blake lively and steven the seagull <laughs> uh, and it's like it's. I think it'd be a great movie for a young woman because it's it's yeah. watching this woman just like survive and kick fucking ass, and she's really smart and she's a great heroine. Um, I also recommended The Fog, 
for that sort of oh. 80s kind of Stranger Things. It's scary, but it's not too scary. Uh, oh. It has that nice kind of 80s uh, quality to it. Also, um, <laughs> this one's a little gross, but I was thinking also along the lines of Stranger Things, and especially in, along the lines of the new season, which I started watching. I hated the second season. The third season is fantastic so far. So that show, it got me. Got me back in. Um, but I recommended The Blob, the 1980s Blob. Because uh, that's just a, I just think it's a one of the quintessential 80s greats. Yeah, um, al- well, I agree. Along with Evil Dead 2. Oh. Uh, a little gross, but like, it's funny. And I was really young when I first saw that. And, and I thought it was just great. And also, uh, for fun, it's really gory. But I think if you if you like Stranger Things and Alien and Jaws, I feel like you could be receptive to this movie. But um, The Deadly Spawn, which is hmm. a great little video nasty with some aliens in a basement. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I tried to think along the Stranger Things line, and now I have not seen Stranger Things. But I just tried to think in those terms, and I'm like, this is what bothers me, is that it's always like, you know, you think about it, right? Mm. And it's like, it's always a group of boys and a girl, maybe. Maybe. You know? And I'm just like, where's where's the group of girls? Right! Yeah, Stranger Things, it's not until season three that now, like, season two they introduced a new girl, but of course Eleven and and Max did not get along, and they had to fight with each other, because you can't only have one girl. Uh, Now, in the new season, they've introduced also, well, they also introduced Erica, the young black girl, in the second season, but she had, like, two scenes. Stole the show, so they made her a way bigger character in the third season and gave her a whole group of friends that just terrorized them all and sample all the ice cream. <laughs> they also introduced a new lesbian character. Um, so they're, like, I finally... I that. Yeah, they're finally getting the, the women characters. Like, they're beginning to actually introduce and focus on women, but that's three seasons in, man. Yeah. I'm grateful yeah. they're doing it, but it's taking some time, so... Yeah. Well, and I realize this is why your list, I like your, I gotta see the final girls. I just have to do it. You need to see it. Um, Let's do an episode about it. (laughs) All right. It'll just be you saying how much you like it for an hour. It'll just be me saying, it's so adorable. I love it. It makes me cry. (laughs) (laughs) But I, my list is so boy centric, I find. Because I try, I thought, I didn't think of anything that's really super new. Well, it's like what Jason calls it. It's boys on bikes, that genre. Boys on bikes. Yeah. So, like, I thought, uh, I mean, if you're going to go Stranger Things, I thought Monster Squad. Oh, oh, yeah, you did the assignment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so did you. You always say that, but you do, too. Um, movie that I recommend all the time. I hate recommending things. Like, I realize that that's kind of the show in a way, but I would rather just talk about something I like and then someone says, oh, that sounds good. I'll check it out. Rather than, hey, what should I watch? Because then I feel such pressure. Oh, and then if to they recommend things, and then if they don't like it, I feel like a ding dong. Yeah, or you have to tell them you're breaking up with them because they didn't like it. Right, exactly. And you're like, what do you so... mean you didn't like the red filter at the end of Suspiria? Who even are you? Get out of my house. <laughs> are you a person? Get out of here. So I don't like recommending things. So, but I, okay, so uh, Monster Squad. Uh, oh, the movie I recommend all the time, though, Creep Show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. 
It's good. Now, now the crate does kind of have a rape as a plot point, but it's not on screen. It's not, nothing is shown, obviously. It's just mentioned and it's not real. Yeah. But it is, you know, a thing. But it's a good, so. good little trigger warning there. Yeah. Um, Poltergeist. Yeah. I forget about Poltergeist all the time. Yeah, me too. Like, Poltergeist is really good. It's really fucked up. It's really for fucked PG, up. For PG, for 80s PG. For 80s PG, it's got some gross stuff. It's got some kids in it to relate to. Um, it's scary. It's fun. I like Poltergeist. Yeah. And I it's... Just always, I literally always forget about it. Which is hilarious because it's such an impactful, like, classic. Yeah. It had an impact on me. I thought I was going to throw up. Ew. I made well. I made my mom take me to the. What he's peeling his face off and throwing it. Oh, it's thing. so gross. I was like, I'm gonna be sick. Mom, take me to the bathroom. <laughs> I didn't get sick, but it was really gross. Yeah. So poltergeist. Uh, Lost Boys. Yeah, yeah, that almost went on my list. Lost Boys is a good one. Maybe Gremlins. I haven't seen Gremlins in ages i'm not a big gremlins fan but i thought maybe it would fit the bill people fucking love gremlins listen gremlins too is is it <laughs> is that the one with the girl gremlin yeah with Greta gremlin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure she's your role model thank you for recognizing this <laughs> so i just guessed i had a feeling <laughs> yeah and that was all i had that's all i got well, those are, this is tough. Those this are is some a tough great, assignment. Those are some great lists. Those are suggestions. Yeah. Stuff I would want to watch. Yeah. What else What else is part of that Stephen King oeuvre, that Stranger Thing? What, like, It, Stand By Me? Stand By Me is in a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there, you know, uh, a comic book recommendation, actually, that uh, I would definitely recommend for this, um, this young horror stand to be, um, would be Paper Girls, which... It's going to be a show, right? Oh, is it? I think Amazon's going to do a show, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. That's so exciting. Um, So Paper Girls is, it does that exact trope that we talk about that, what, what was that? Summer of 84, Stand By Me, It, Stranger Things. It takes the boys on bikes, but they're paper girls on a paper route. And it's set in the 1980s and something goes wrong. Maybe there's another dimension happening. Maybe there's dinosaurs. Maybe there's satanic cultists. Uh, it's a joy. Um, hmm. So I would recommend Paper Girls because then you you get all all of those vibes, um, but with young women getting to do it, which is That's like, nice. how has nobody adapt? Like, how has nobody taken that into the genre otherwise? Right. Yeah, there's like nothing. Yeah. God, I'm so sick of the '80s. I know. I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of it. I'm sick of it. But then they did the they did the 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 cast reveal for American Horror Story 1984 and I was like motherfucker it's another one I'm gonna watch <laughs> so it just annoying. I look at it and it just looks like Halloween Town you know it what is I mean? it's Halloween. like oh you bought yeah. a bunch of mullet wigs at Halloween Town yeah you know and it's like I just I'm so tired of it whatever if yeah. you like it that's totally cool but I just like I don't know I'm just sick of it I guess. no and even with the with the American Horror Story cast release it looks cheap like it looks it like looks they put so a bad mullet wig cheap. on Billy Lord but here's the thing if you put Billy Lord in a bad mullet wig I'm gonna be right there because right. honestly if you put Billy Lord in anything I'm gonna be right there <laughs> well there you go thank you it does it just doesn't there's nothing authentic about it no 
No, and that's the thing where it's like it it's where the eighties has now become a thing outside of the eighties. Right. It's, it's, it's become a... like one of those uh kitschy sort of like, oh, we're going to the fifties diner where they play Buddy Holly records and everybody yeah. dresses <laughs> like it's the fifties. It's like that's what it's become. It's all like fucking Epcot Center or some shit. Yeah. Except it's all these movies and TV shows that are treating the eighties like that. Yeah, and it's it, they're all just that terrible fifties diner from Ghost World that they go to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's not like I'm like so protective of the eighties. I'm like, don't touch it. Blah blah blah. But it's just like it's just cheap and bad, and it's a crutch. It's, and it's yeah. Stupid. Well, and 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 also it's um you know there's some magaism in there. Yes. Because it's it's the imagined perfect past, but also the 80s was like a, a unheard of war on queer people, mm-hmm. unheard of like a genocide with HIV AIDS and it can be completely ignored by the government and by Reagan and Bush. Right. Um, it, it was in many aspects a terrible, terrible era. You're really terrible. Reagan, you know did a lot of damage to this fucking country in so many ways and planted the seeds for the movement that we're currently undergoing because it's it's happening again um Mm -hmm. right so so it's like what's the point and i think the point of it is young people find it funny and kitschy like i remember in the 90s everybody went through that fucking zoot suit phase do you remember yeah my my brother was or not my brother my cousin was actually in cherry pop and daddy so i had to see that zoot suit phase (laughs) like that was the thing people wanted to like dress like that and go swing dancing or whatever and it just feels like it just feels like halloween town and it's just a funny thing but there's no weight behind it it's not yeah. like these things are trying to emulate a, an actual style of filmmaking or a style of storytelling or right some of the wrongs that were done to queer people or, you know, the mentally yeah. ill or whatever. It's just set dressing. And it's just a fucking TGI Fridays, basically. It is. You know, there's like and- a, lot, a lot of crazy 80s crap on the wall. Okay. Haha. <laughs> wow. It feels so 80s. But it doesn't. And that's why I love us. One of the many reasons I love us. Because that movie uh, was critiquing that. That 80s obsession. Right. Let's go back to Hands Across America. Come on, let's make it great again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird. Uh, I will say... Third season of Stranger Things once again got me sucked right back in. I'm yeah, so upset. Yeah, that's totally fine. People in, obviously like I'm in a minority. Like people enjoy all this stuff. I'm just so tired of everything being set in the eighties. Oh yeah, and when I saw the trailer for Stranger Things season three, I was like, motherfucker, how much are they gonna milk this? And it's like even when you watch it, there's so much product placement. Um, but simultaneously it is very evocative of all the commercials and things that you see in serial ads and things like that. But uh, ultimately, the story's good, unlike the last season. So, mm. so that's got me. But yeah, it's it is questioning of how long is this going to go on, and and it's it's sort of also that creative direction of you know now this generation is more of the now is grown and is is creating the is is driving the creative voice of media. And hence, there's this desire to go back to that and and to remember all of these iconic things that we really loved at the time uh, and to bring them back. But it also is becoming that problem of now we're not letting anything die. And now the 80s are perpetual. 
Right. And all the properties of the 80s are coming back and everything. It's so, yeah, what will be, what will be new? Can't we all just be Robert Eggers and go back to the 30s or whatever he's setting the lighthouse? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the answer is. I just know I'm cranky. Yeah. (laughs) Well, at least you know yourself. Like Shakespeare said, know thyself. (laughs) Know thyself. And you're doing it. Oh, well, love it or leave it, baby. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! God. Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Ha, ha, ha.